some of my most advanced stuff is like 14 by 17 super intricate super detailed drawings that you can look at for hours and come back to a month later and find something new every time you know that type of stuff and at one of the times making one of them it took me about two years He's a self-dubbed dude who's been singing for as long as he can remember and writing songs since 2000. He's a singer and frontman of Meditative Animal and brings an alternative folk rock sound infused with jazz, hip-hop, and other genres. Please welcome Nick Mirasola to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks. I'm doing pretty good. How, uh, how are you? And uh, I was about to ask how everyone else out there is doing, but I guess I'll just wish them well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm doing great. And, you know, same as you, I hope anyone listening in is, you know, doing great as well. So first question, just to kick things off, get things started. What was your first experience in music like or what made you sort of discover music? Oh, I mean, you know, honestly, uh, I've been singing in uh, between church and school choirs. I've been singing besides singing on the radio my parents raised me on uh, a lot of a lot of good music a lot of classic rock um that type of stuff uh actually you know what my first experience that i remember my dad used to sing me uh wish you were here by pink floyd as a lullaby and to this day i still like get the shivers sometimes when i hear that my dad's not the most uh you know musical type but i'll i'd listen to him sing it every day of the week still to this day but uh yeah uh then i got into singing myself a little in choruses and uh took a little bit of cello in fourth grade but then we moved and they didn't have a cello program at the new school um so that got that got scrapped but uh, I, I pretty much just took whatever music classes they had in my elementary schools for a while Picked up my mom's guitar, this old Yamaha classical, when I was about 18. And uh, I and and then I went up and started hanging out with some hippies up in Burlington, hanging out in drum circles, learning how to play hand drums. And, and I got really fascinated because I was already kind of into poetry. So with these newfound instruments at my disposal, I got really fascinated by the potential that songwriting had as a um, kind of a, you know, uh, an art form and a medium for social change and progress and, uh, and, you know, just entertainment too. I thought it was so cool how you could, you could make something so important and significant to people but make it entertaining all at once. That was the coolest thing. It was like the best of both worlds if you do it right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just music has so many ways to be enjoyed, so many uses, and can really, you know, depending on how you use it, depending on how you enjoy it, can be used in so many ways as a healing thing, as just enjoyment, as, you know, just playing music. And so now I want to get a little more into, you know, it was part of your intro that uh, I wrote for you, but you call yourself a self-dubbed Duda. 
can you just let us know a little bit about what that means, how you would describe that, how would you describe yourself, um, uh, everything like that? All right. Um, so I'm kind of like, uh, I'm what a lot of Buddhists, um, or at least some of them, would call a lay Zen monk. I'm not like part of a official, uh, you know, sangha or or, or a monastery, but I've taken a vow, my own vow personally that I came up with. The the most general one I could sum it all up in one word with was to be humane. You know, with its lights and darks and all that jazz, its gray yeah. areas and its everydayness and its uh, stuff like that. But uh, um. I call myself a lay Zen monk because, you know, part of me is very normal and everyday and casual even. Um, I'm pretty easygoing. I'm actually an ordained Dudist priest. If you've ever heard of Dudism, it's a parody religion um, uh, inspired by the character of the dude in The Big Lebowski. Um, which is a comedy, but insightful and very uh, kind of Buddhist Taoist philosophies kind of yeah. lingering for the taking if you want them. But you might not even know it if you if if I didn't yeah. say that. A lot of, um, you so know, hidden, hidden insight. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that silently. It's like a silently Buddhist and Taoist film, in my opinion, Uh or at least in Dudism's opinion to some extent too, apparently. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. And then uh, I came up with the term Duda to describe myself because they said um, when I got ordained, it said you can call yourself whatever you want, like priest, monk, minister, or whatever fits you. Um, and I actually got ordained so that I could be the minister at my friend's wedding legally in the state of Maine, which was pretty cool that they let people do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, I I get I like to get creative with words and kind of play around with them a little. So I uh, came up with this idea. I didn't want to call myself a Buddha. I felt like that was kind of pretentious, even if it was true. So plus, I'm like a lay Buddha, even if I someone wanted to define me that just because of Buddha nature that yeah. some Buddhists think is in everything, you know. Um, but uh, so I came up with Duda. Because being a lay Zen monk feels to me kind of like being uh, a dude, uh, like the Big Lebowski inspired, yeah. but also kind of like the animal, the jackass, like a mule. And I was kind of trying to be one of my heroes is the is the laughing Buddha. And so I figured, why can't there be a comedian Duda who's making fun of himself also yeah. at once? Yeah. And. So, you know, you mentioned you, like, ministered your own uh, best friend's wedding. What was that like for you? What was that experience like? Oh, it was really cool. It was such an honor. Um, great people. They were close friends, and they were getting married, and they, they wanted to do it at their house, like, and have it be really intimate and, and yeah. not, like, your standard, you know. Really, like, low-key, uh, low-key sort of thing. Yeah, like, they they dressed up in their own style, you know, they had, it was kind of a interesting, interesting get together. I really liked it. It was very comfortable and friendly and um, uh, the right mix of uh, formal and casual, you know, just formal enough to be respectful and 
special, but uh, still very more like a bunch of close friends and family getting together for a special reason than just to be fancy as we can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, before sort of, like you mentioned, discovering Pink Floyd, discovering, you know, different sorts of tantrums, was there anything else you thought you might do in life other than music or has it just sort of been music from the start? Oh yeah, no, it hasn't been music from the start. Um, that was kind of a pipe dream for a long time until I really practiced and um, got good enough at it to to be comfortable calling myself even a musician. I still feel a little bit weird about that because um, I play by ear in large part or by feel or by heart yeah. or by soul. So I kind of seem like a hack to like music theory buffs because I frequently break the rules. But um, you know, to a jazz musician, which I love jazz, uh, it's kind of comes with the territory. But anyways, uh, yeah, I was actually one of the art kids all growing up. I took every art class my school had and then some started as an art major in college, dropped out a bajillion times, tried a bunch of different art schools. Um, I still do a little art here and there. I'm going to get back into it a lot more. Um, but I do all the artwork for my own project right now. And uh, I also uh, may not be considered professional at it, but I write philosophy of science papers because I'm kind of a, a hobbyist philosopher, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, some of the stuff I'm dealing with, my friends, I got some decent ideas that my friends think might be worth putting out there, but I don't have the pedigree to get them published in journals. So I'm going to maybe self-publish someday. Are you a music artist trying to find a way to get your music on as many streaming platforms as possible? Then check out DistroKid. DistroKid is a super user-friendly and super easy-to-use service that will make your music available in stores like Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, YouTube, Snapchat, everything. Everything you could imagine. It's available. People will even be able to add your songs into their Instagram stories. DistroKid helps you with the distribution, monetization, and promotion of all of your music. Use the link in the description of this video for 7% off any DistroKid package you want. Pick from musician packages designed to help artists get their own music out there, or even get a label package where you can manage up to 100 artists from one profile. So that's more for like managers, labels, and you can also get the musician package that I mentioned earlier, which is more for artists, producers, things like that. And super easy, and you can get 7% off any package right now with the link in the description of this video. So once again, drilling for a way to get your music on as many streaming platforms as possible. I'm talking any platform you can think of. Get DistroKid and get 7% off right now with the link in the description back to the program. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned doing all the artwork for your music. What sort of goes into your process, you know, beyond just the music of actually making that artwork? And has there been any artwork where maybe you had some sort of like idea or concept for it that ended up being just maybe like too ambitious and you had to like sort of scale it down to be able to make it? 
Um, let's see. Geez. Uh, well, for some of the for some of the artwork, I had pre-existing artwork that I felt fit maybe an album title or something and just maybe even fit it better than if I tried to put something to it. You know, it was almost yeah. serendipitous in some ways for some of it. Um, I have tackled really big projects before because two of my inspirations for artwork are MC Escher and Salvador Dali. So some of my most advanced stuff is like uh, these maybe like 14 by 17 super intricate, super detailed drawings that yeah. you can look at for hours and come back to a month later and find something new every time, you know, that type of stuff. And at one of the times making one of them, it took me about two years. My friends, uh, I had someone ask me if a computer made it and no, it didn't, but it was this really cool mandala. Like, uh, but it was almost like MC Escher meets Salvador Dali meets Buddhist mandalas. And it yeah. was, uh, it was just so ambitious that I had to take breaks from it. I actually kind of gave myself some carpal tunnel between all the music and the art. So uh, yeah. I have to be a little more sparing with my um, my allocation of resources nowadays. So sometimes I'll I'll be more selective and I'd rather a lot of times I don't put out I don't do sketches. I just jump right into the final draft and kind of improvise my way through it. Or I sit there and stare at the blank paper until I have it in my head. And then it's kind of like projecting up my tracing paper onto the paper, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess what sort of tips or advice would you give to other people who like are discovering music as a passion and want to start maybe releasing some music of their own, but maybe not sure how to do it? What like advice would you offer them? Oh, wow. Well, uh, First of all, uh, I'd say like 99% of the times, if you're, if you, you know, have a heart with yourself about what you want to be putting out there and you're conscious of the fact that this is going to be a little piece of you that you're kind of putting out for society. And if you, I, I think, you know, I would say, have a trying try and have a soul and heart about about your art form and you'll get a lot more out of it you'll enjoy the practice more you'll um it'll motivate you it'll it'll make the content even more, better and more relatable and or at least even if they can't relate to it they'll at least see the value in it out there you know even your critics will have to admit that there's something to it um, yeah. Even if it's what I call my own music, I personally think I'm kind of raw like gas station sushi is my little joke I make about myself. Because compared to some of my heroes, I'm like, I'm some hack, basically, who plays by ear and 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 tries to break the rules sometimes even. But, uh, um, you know, honestly, if you uh there's so much you can do on your own right now i'm sitting at my house this is my studio at my house it took me a long yeah. time to uh save up and i spent all my extra money on music for the last like 20 years and that's how i finally wound up with a full-fledged studio at my house but um 
there's a lot you can do just with really super simple, basic recording equipment. And there's a lot of um, options out there for people who don't have a lot to to invest, but want to put it out for the whole world to see. There's tons of digital uh, distribution companies where you you pay like a small fee or they just take a percentage or something. Yeah. You know, I would recommend something like that to start with for your average, uh, you know, person. Maybe make a burn a demo CD, take it to your local coffee shop, go play in the streets for free. That's what I did for a long time. Get over your stage fright by playing in public for people without the pressure of having to play cover songs and worrying about money and all that. It can be a really character building experience, but there's a lot. There's a lot uh, for uh, the everyday, you know, even just starting out musician. There's tons of resources out there to, to learn from. Um, and don't be afraid uh, to to put your heart and soul in it to come come back full circle. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned this, you know, start you had with street performing. Once that street performing sort of, became like shows or performing your own music on bigger stages to more people what what was that like for you um it it was kind of cool uh in some ways i didn't i haven't actually played a lot of uh regular orthodox shows i've played a handful um i played one at uvm when i was just starting out and they offered me a tour and i was like kind of in over my head because I had only been playing guitar for about a year and I was like well if I can get their attention like that now if I really hone my craft I wonder where I can take it when I'm comfortable with myself um so I kept at it and I actually went back to the open mics on purpose and the street performing because I I there's something about money that um as much as it can be a beautiful thing it can also kind of taint it. And I was kind of trying to approach music and art as a, a bit of a shaman. And almost as medicine, I offer charitably as that Lazen monk in me. You, yeah. So I've yeah. almost intentionally avoided making money and the music industry at large, or at least its orthodox tendencies. Yeah, you've you've wanted to sort of focus on music being actually what it is the art form and having that for yourself and that to share rather than maybe as a career or something you can profit off of yeah now that i've now that i've really kind of um i feel like dialed in a little bit uh you know what i am as an artist i i wouldn't mind if I made money, I'd I'd just be a philanthropist if I was ever rich. I think that could be cool. I bet I'd yeah. do much nicer things with my money than half the people out there that have it. But whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um I I don't know. Uh I I I actually in some in some ways a lot of times I wind up in the red even spending money on it. Um but I'd rather do that. Um and like, you know, I used to do, uh, I didn't do a lot of live shows, but I did a lot of, uh, videos of me performing 
And then I'd post them online and maybe promote them a little bit. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think that I can be sit. It's kind of surreal, really, that I can just sit down in my living room and casually play guitar and sing, you know, a handful of songs and and give, you know, whatever social media platform it is, 10 bucks. And before I know it, 20,000 people have seen me in my living room. That's kind of yeah. crazy to me. It's really weird in a lot of ways. No, I don't know if it can ever get normal. That's, but I don't know if it's ever supposed to. It, but it's very. It can be very special, and uh, I think I. I hope no one ever loses sight of the art form and the spiritual value that music can have, and and I do mean that in both directions when you start to involve money and stuff. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Bond Touch. Bond Touch is committed to creating healthier and happier relationships. And in order to achieve that, they created the Bond Touch. This bracelet is designed to bridge the distance between relationships by enabling touch to be sent over any distance. The app and services that come with the bracelet provide the intimate space relationships need to have fun, learn, and grow. Bond Touch has over a million users and averages 2.5 million touches every week. The longest distance ever recorded between two touch band users were 12,000 miles. Use a bond touch to send a touch to a loved one wherever, whenever. Defeat the distance by using bond touch's app and bracelet to connect with others. Just wear a bracelet of your own that's paired with another and touch the screen to send their band vibrations that mimic your touch. Keep a special someone close with every touch kept in the app ready for replay. Decorate your devotion with unique styles, customizable bands, and custom message colors. Learn more about all features of the Bond Touch itself at bond-touch.com and use my discount code BONDBBHEROIC at checkout for 5% off any Bond Touch order. Go order a Bond Touch, Bond Touch More, or a Bond Heart now and use code BONDBBHEROIC for 5% off your order at checkout music can sort of it can really be a slow burn you can experience writer's block with like songwriting you can you know get discouraged at times is there ever a moment or was there ever a moment that sort of made you second guess music thinking about taking a break from it and focusing more on the art or other things you were doing or oh yeah sort I, take, of stuff in? I take breaks all the time i think mm -hmm. it's very healthy personally at least for my style, uh, it, obviously that some people, the the repetition and the you know schedule and the routine is part of what makes them shine. So I'm mm. not here to tell anyone how to do it. But personally, I've taken months off, years off. I barely played any guitar for my last album in the recent years because I found this batch of old recordings and. Um, I I played harmonica and hand drums and sang and um, did a bunch of other stuff on on the last album, but I I really didn't even in the last I I don't know if there's any guitar work from the last five years on there. A lot of it was mm -hmm. just from before I developed my carpal tunnel. Um, so I figured I would put it to good use and why why not? It was even kind of cool because it was kind of like playing with myself from the past, you know, so yeah. my voice has changed a little bit. So I layered up and it's, it might add some texture and, um, 
you know, I learned to play harmonica since then, which I didn't have in my in my uh, little arsenal back then, which was interesting because it was um, kind of cool to ha have like a um, a lead instrument that wasn't a vocal to layer on my own stuff. I've always been able to whistle, which I added to this last one, but. I have kind of a breathy whistle, so I was always a little self-conscious about it, but uh, I guess it, the critics seemed to like it. I guess they thought it was kind of like raggle-taggle charming or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But uh, I could improvise melodies all day whistling, um, so I figured I'd get into that and go out on a limb. Because, uh, yeah, but there's been, I think it can, sometimes you come back with a fresh perspective on your own material if you take a break to come back to that. Um, and like a lot of times you can kind of level up and uh, like approach it the same old thing in a totally new light. If you have a little distance from it for a while, mm -hmm. at least and, I've found that. Yeah. And for this most recent album, you know, alternative phenomenon, what went into that, naming process what made you think that of that as the name um so that was kind of like uh i felt like my life had almost been like this kind of interesting uh combination of some combination of the wizard of oz walking down the yellow brick road and alice in wonderland going down the rabbit hole and maybe throw in the matrix all at once, but it all in my own sort of unique way and a personalized trip, if you will. So I had all this material and I figured I could kind of, you know, if I collaged it all together in the right order, I could make it this, if people wanted to get that from it, they could kind of get like a, whatever my personal trip down down that path was like, which yeah. was also kind of my, um, you know, my stroll down the path of uh, enlightenment or my my Zen progress. I don't know, whatever you'd call it. Maybe it, yeah. it was almost like my version of if you've ever heard of the Ten Bowls in Zen Buddhism. I, I just, haven't. Oh, you might want to look it up. It's kind of cool. It's uh, it's this. Uh, old school notion. It's also sometimes referred to as the ox herding um, uh, metaphor, but it's basically like it describes kind of the path to enlightenment that everyone goes through to some extent. Um, if you know, along the way, it, it, it it's really cool. It's very famous. It's kind of like a classic. It's not like set in stone, but um, it's agreed upon by at least all the people who feel like voicing their opinion on it, that once they got there, they could relate to all the stages. It kind of is like the stages of, of Zen. But you even come full circle at the end, too. It's yeah. almost like the, um, you know, the the metaphor of the, I heard this one metaphor where this, you know, martial artist starts with a white belt and 
in Zen, it's kind of like you start with a white belt and it gets dirty until it's so dirty it's black. And then you wear it so so much you keep wearing it so it goes back to white because it frays and gets worn worn back down to the white. Yeah. It's almost like that. Like um I wanted to kind of come full circle like my own impression of something like that. Maybe not the same exact type of thing, but if you wanted to get that type of vibe from it, you could. Yeah. And in addition to just having the album itself, you're also releasing an NFT project like to accompany it. What's what was the thing or the process behind that? What's uh sort of the pairing of the NFT and the album? Oh, so uh yeah, I I I kind of got uh stalled up a little bit um on the NFT. I I'm still planning on doing it at some point. And what it's going to be is uh kind of like a work in progress, a behind the scenes bits and pieces of the production along the way because every, I mix and master and produce my own stuff basically. Yeah. Um with uh like my my brother is really talented he he does a lot of the tweaking on his own stuff and my uh brother-in-law's on there bmo the producer him too he 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 does some tweaking of his own stuff too but um every time we would get together and make a mix and add something to a track which usually started with me singing a vocal and a guitar part that's how almost all of them start through for the recording process so every time we'd add, you know, a recording session, I would go in and make kind of a what I call a working mix, I think it's called. But anyways, I would kind of do a rough mix so it sounded decent to the next person when they're listening to it and they go to mm. add their part. But I saved all these MP3s along the way. So I what I was planning on doing is putting out a one of a kind version where each um little segment of the nft is a different step along that path anywhere from guitar and vocal to finished product yeah. and each would be a one-off so only there'd only be one copy of each um but i have for some of them i have like 17 and for some of them it was they were old recordings and i i had already mixed them and i only have one or two so yeah it's kind of a and mixed bag yeah. Yeah. So go like going back to sort of just the music side of the album, uh, when you're trying to come up with a new song and you're in that creative process, is there a lot of sort of revisiting old stuff? Do you have a process of like songwriting now? What is your like creating a new song look like? Um Wow. All right, uh yeah, you I know, mean, if there of, really is any one process, or if it's just sort of you know, it comes to you differently. I was going to say it's it it comes in different ways at different times, and different songs have had different methods to their creation. A lot of times, I'll meditate on whatever the subject matter is a significant amount beforehand, whether it just be happen, you know, what I happen to be meditating on in life. Yeah. And then once I come to some, maybe I'll find some insight or inspiration and it will inspire me like, wow, 
I, I bet if I put this out there, someone's going to be like, wow, never thought of it like that. Or someone else is going to be like, yeah, I thought of that. It's so nice to hear someone else think that. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So a lot of times I'll have meditated on stuff for anywhere from a lifetime to at least a session. Or at least I'll be meditating while I write it. Yeah. Almost always. And that, you know, like you said, looking for inspiration or finding it in different places, where does that inspiration typically come from? What do you find typically inspires a new song for you? Wow. Uh, honestly, that uh, is whatever life has been throwing at me sometimes. That can have different reasons, too. Like, sometimes I'll see a problem in the world and I'll sit down to come up with a song maybe trying to offer some solutions or uh, at least uh, copacetic perspectives on it, you know, or maybe some me some music as medicine, if there's any social issues that can use stuff like that. Yeah. And so, you know, one, I mean, that's just song to song, sort of trying to find inspiration, trying to come up with the lyrics, songwriting overall with you know all the music you're releasing do you are is there one sort of message you hope to convey just you know with your music i guess as a whole wow i don't know uh that's intense <clears throat> um honestly with some of my music i try to intentionally be poetically vague so that listeners can develop their own personal relationship with the lyrics yeah. because I found that they're, they're probably going to do it anyways. I do the same thing, you know, I think everyone does to an extent, even when we're not trying to, yeah. it's good. It might mean the certain lyrics are going to mean something to us that maybe the writer never even intended. And so I even kind of push those knobs and, and invite my audience on purpose to do that sometimes. Um, so that's that's kind of a loaded question for me, because that is one thing that is almost throughout all my lyrics. Even when yeah. I have something to say, I try not to be too preachy about it. I'm more likely to ask a question if I have a really good idea. And if I know the answer's there, and they will too, then I kind of let that speak for itself. But yeah, I try to kind of have some heart and soul and, you know, um, some ethics and some wisdom and some insight I would like to think is in all my stuff. But some of it's more for fun than others. But I think all of it has at least a touch of all that. Yeah. Well, you know, that I mean, to you, that was a loaded question. And I get that. But I mean, on my end, weren't like arguably the lotus of all loaded questions i mean you said i could ask it to you what to you is just the meaning of life i mean that's such a big question it could probably have its own podcast separately from this but i mean that's such a big question what to you is the answer for that all right first of all in my opinion the question is part of the answer and always will be because we are defining it, at least our own meanings of life as we go, as question askers, we are constantly defining our own meaning, at least in how we relate to the exterior meaning. And honestly, in some ways, the funny part to me is 
the meaning of life is the meaning of life. It means as vaguely and specifically yeah. and questionably and debatably and all that jazz, you know, invisibly, beautifully, uh, hiddenly, formlessly, silently, all that stuff, whatever it means. Yeah. It's like a big, it's almost like saying, what's the meaning of life? I would say the ohm symbol is as close as I could come because that means everything or soul. And I think uh, there's enough intelligent design, even the scientists would agree that there's at least some ethics probably going on in the universe's design too. And even if there's not, we as human beings have that. So it's part of, you know, human yeah. nature to to have a heart and a soul about things. I think everyone could agree that we at least all have a heart. I don't know someone out there who doesn't, who's alive anyways. So yeah. I think that expression is the way it is for a reason. And it's almost like, uh, you know, even for people who believe in God, you know, if there's a God who's good and powerful uh, or gods or whatever, or a, a Buddha yeah. nature, whatever you want to, however you want to see the Holy Spirit, the, the great power. spirit, the yeah. universe at large, what the macrocosm, what, the superconscious, if you want to get Jungian on it, collective unconscious, and whatever your higher power or just the universe at large to you is, yourself and all the specifics included, is what it means. And some of it isn't the answer. Some of yeah. it is the wrong answers out there. But that's still the meaning of life. That's what yeah. it means right there. That person doing the wrong thing, that's what they mean. In part. Yeah. Well, I mean, way to answer that question with a question. Thanks. I, mean, that I was... bit that one off when I was young, so I had a lot to say, but I figured I'd sum up at least what I've, as far as I ever want to take that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it definitely is one of those questions that you could go on and on about and just yeah, oh, of almost course. forever. That's the beauty of it. I think it's left that way for a reason so that we can go on about it forever if we so choose. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sort of back, you know, again to when you were younger, you have, you, you kept the first CD you ever made of your music and you actually put it up for auction with the proceeds going to the Shaolin Temple. How did that auction come about? Why, why was the Shaolin Temple sort of what you wanted to give that money to? Just tell me some more about your thinking behind that whole process. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um. So that was, it wasn't the first CD uh, like I ever made, ever made in mm. my whole life, but it was okay. the first copy, physical copy of the album Alternative Phenomenon. I burnt it okay. on the same computer that, uh, that I used to uh, record and produce the album on. And then I hand labeled it and signed it. And I wanted to do the Shaolin Temple because that's the original Zen Temple. And kind of like a, a a heart of Buddhism, if you will. It's a world historical site, too. And uh, I just think those people are so cool. And I, I think um, I have, like, past life type of uh, memories of associations with them. But um, I... I uh, specifically wanted to donate to them for I they asked me how I'd like it used too so I told them I'd like it used on meditation tools and 
and medicine and food. Um, but I, um, yeah, so I auctioned it off and actually one of my mom's friends was I a spitter and we had issues with eBay. So we haven't done the transaction yet, but I think he bid $108 it went for, which amazed me that anyone would pay that for one of my CDs. But what mm. that was cool in itself. Um, but to give that to them felt uh, is is going to feel really good. It's destined yeah. at this point. Yeah. And so I have to ask, you know, with your music, the actual music side of it, is there sort of one, I guess, dream venue or dream scenario that you would love to just play your music at and share your music oh wow uh hmm. i think for me uh maybe my dream scenario would would be either in my living room out back by my campfire or in my studio but with the right musicians and that can be you know Anyone, I already have lived the dream in some ways because me and my brother, it, music has brought us closer than anything else probably out there. Um, mm. And it's been so special for that reason alone. So I've already played with a hero, but it, maybe maybe get a handful of my heroes in here from the music world who, who I just kind of like, uh, you know, I play Starry-Eyed Fan too right now. Like maybe uh get Ben Harper and Jack Johnson and Jewel and Nako Bear and uh maybe Trevor Hall and uh MC Yogi Wu Tang get some people in here and jam out that would be my yeah. ideal. Yeah, and you know, is there sort of a song that you've released that? I, I mean, this could be all of them, you know, but anyone in particular that comes to mind that you just have like a special connection with or that you think is like your favorite for any given reason? I don't think I have a favorite because yeah. one of the things I've, I try to be, um, I'm of the mindset that I would rather only put something out if I feel very significantly about it, you know, in the first place. Yeah. Like all my favorite artists growing up, you could put on their out like Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, the Allman Brothers band. You could put on these guys' albums and listen to them from start to finish and not have to skip a song. And every song was awesome. That's, that's uh, uh, like I, there's people who write a bajillion songs and like three of them are worth someone's time yeah. because they're just writing to put it out there or to make money. And I, that kind of disheartens me a little, but um, anyways, I, I, there's something to something I like about all of them. And I don't, I don't like to play favorites anyways, cause I find it almost, it invariably sets someone up for failure eventually. Yeah. Um, And at least, but I, I, if anything, I play favorites. Like maybe my most sum it up in one song for someone, if I had to give them one song to peek at, might be my song Social Gravity. That that might work as a good mascot, I'd call it. Yeah. But I'd feel a little comedic. I'd want it to be a little cartoony for them if they were treating it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know... I, I guess the last question I sort of have for you uh, tonight is, I mean, 
now that you sort of have released alternative phenomenon and you're working towards getting this nft release what's next what's after that you know is there any project you have in mind <coughs> that's coming down the line or are you kind of just waiting to see for yourself what's next uh yeah i have a couple things i'm uh the first thing i'm gonna do is i have a uh i'm working on my hip-hop debut i bought a uh i had the opportunity to buy the rights to this beat with a feature featuring killer priest from wu-tang clan and i added some uh harmonica some uh whistling some hand drums and i decided to give emceeing a go i had done it once before on a track that never got released for one of my friends but i figured i knew i could do it after that so i figured yeah. i'd give it a go what better way than baptism by fire right because yeah. wu-tang's living legends man i just hope they're okay with whatever i come out with but um i don't wanna i i, I I don't know if I can swear on this. I was about to say Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to blank with. I mean, but... yeah, you can go ahead, but I mean, no, I'll, yeah. I'll hold back. But okay, um, yeah, that's fine. You. Yeah, well, I mean, um, yeah, like I yeah, said, that's so, sort of so that's next, and then after that, I think I might get into. Uh, I have I've always had this idea of once I get a bunch of music out there, I want to go back and um, illustrate the lyrics in one of those drawings like I was talking about earlier where yeah. there's a ton going on where it kind of tells a story almost like a concept map. Yeah. Or different ones would do it different ways, but yeah. tell a story, illustrate the lyrics Correct. all in one piece of artwork. And I'm thinking of making videos for them uh, with my camera uh, and uh, of like the making of the artwork. So you'll you'll get to see it go from zero to finished product throughout the course of hopefully the song playing in the background yeah so that's... that might be kind of cool i think as a project and there's plenty i can do with that that could probably keep me busy for the rest of my life yeah i mean that's awesome it sounds like you could take that just about anywhere and it could go so many different ways and so i'm excited to see all of that you know the hip-hop and the art if you know whenever those two come out but um those are all the questions i had for you today thank you so much for coming on for people that do want to check out your art check out your music where can they do that um well the music's available all the major streaming platforms just look up meditative animal there's like a paw print logo you might be able to recognize me by with a little heart in the middle um and but my, my website's meditativeanimal.com that's probably the uh, one of the best hubs for it. They can actually the there's a fan set your own price option on uh, the album alternative phenomenon right now at the website, and they you can even download it for free if you really want. So, um, I you know I if someone wants to share my music, you know, if it's a true fan and they download it from the website, I'd rather them show their friend and their friend get something out of it than me make 13 cents off a stream yeah you know yeah yeah well i mean i'll leave a link to some of that down below and thank you again so much for coming on cool yeah thank you so much too and you're very welcome and i i'm honored and very grateful 
Yeah, well, thank you for sharing a bit more about, you know, you, your, your, your experiences, your music, just everything. It really, it really was an awesome conversation today. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. It was um, really a fun experience. Uh, um, and if you ever, uh, uh, I don't know, if you ever um, are looking for more stuff uh, later, um, uh, I guess uh, we could be in touch if you want. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I'll keep in touch. All right. Cool.